The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. So welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Ron Huntinghockey and I'm really thrilled today to have Dr. Doug Thompson, who is a very special dentist. Uh, he's uh, up at the University of Michigan's, oh, he graduated from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry. And maybe Doug, you can kind of tell our audience where you're at now. And then let me ask the prime question, what's different about your dentistry than what p people typically think about dentists. Yeah, thanks, Ron, for the introduction. Um, I have, uh, I graduated from the University of Michigan, but prior to that, I was a 12-year Crown and Bridge. I worked in a dental laboratory yeah. in, a, in, a den in a dental office, uh, which is a quite a different experience because I had some patient inter interaction and I worked for a very fine restorative dentist at the time, and then went to University of Michigan and graduated in 1996, and I did a one-year residency at a hospital, a VA hospital. And it was there that I started to really see a lot of sick people. Yeah. And I started to see a lot of dental disease, and I knew there was some kind of significant correlation. And then I bought my private practice in 1996, 1997, a year later, and I've been practicing there ever since. And the sophistication and the awareness of what's happened with what happens with oral conditions and systemic health caused me in 2009 to rebrand my practice. And the name of my dental practice in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan is called Integrative Oral Medicine. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's impossible not to integrate the mouth with the rest of the body when there's a, when there's a health problem. And uh, I might have talked to you. We had a small brief conversation before we went on the air, and you we you may recall that there's now 57 different systemic diseases that are related to oral conditions or oral oral pathogenic load like bacterial load. So what makes us very different is we have an awareness about those issues, and very often we employ state of the art either bacterial testing or some which is not terribly expensive and easy to do and painless. And we um, learn about the makeup of the microbiome in the mouth. And then if it's disease producing or dangerous, then we have strategies to stabilize that. Most people would not think that the quality of their heart and vascular system has that much to do with dentistry. But yet through this emerging and growing uh, functional understanding of the microbiome of the mouth, what you were what we were talking about earlier is that has tremendous 
uh, implications in terms of a person's risk of having a heart attack or even other types of vascular damage, possibly even related to hypertension and things such as this. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about that, that connection and why it's important for them to, to know a little bit more about their, their dental microbiome? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, our circulatory system uh, that carries blood and oxygen and nutrients to all the cells of our body. I mean, we have 60,000 miles of freeway and the mouth is the entrance ramp. Uh, the mouth is um, is an entrance ramp where the bacteria can get in that pathway. And when they get on that pathway, they can go anywhere from the, your toe to your brain. And these bacteria have certain components as part of their cell wall or part of their makeup that causes our body to react in a negative way. And it changes the biology or it changes the function of what's going on in the vessel. And it can be responsible for plaque buildup in the arteries. It can, it can have a significant effect on arterial stiffening, which would drive up blood pressure. Right. You mentioned hypertension. And we have a certain couple bacteria that have been identified as being contributors to that arterial stiffness. Um, cognitive decline. Yeah. You know, Dr. Ron, I'm so sad that 50% um, of us are going to end up with some cognitive issue. And, you know, the other 50% of us are going to be dealing with somebody with a cognitive right. issue. So right. Nobody's surviving that disease. You know, I mean, we're all going to have something to do with it. So in dentistry today, we know by learning the makeup of the microbiome in somebody's mouth, we could either prevent or delay the onset of that for years, depending upon how early we can get to the patient. How can you help yourself? You can make sure that your mouth is as clean as it can be. And, um, but finding out this other information is, is important. Do you think, uh, you know, I'll oftentimes see people with elevated C-reactive protein, which is an inflammation marker, and because I've become more aware in recent decades of the relationship of the mouth to overall health, I start thinking about that. Uh, I mean, is, have you found that to be, uh, if, if people have a CRP that's elevated and they don't have any specific joint problems or any other explanation for that, would you be looking deeper into their mouth issues, the microbiome of the mouth and whatnot? Yeah, you know, it's the number one thing it's one of the number one things we look for, and it gives me objective data to know that something in the mouth could be causing a problem. And what that is, Ron, is I actually order some cardiovascular biomarker uh, metrics on patients with disease so I can determine if certain things like that are elevated. And the panel that we order is broken down into inflammatory components of blood disease, that's inflammation, of heart disease and uh, and vessel vessel health, and we look a little bit at lipids. We don't treat lipids here. This is where we have a beautiful collaborative opportunity to work with physicians like you, where we can where we can send somebody or you could send someone to me and say, "Hey, this patient has elevated HSCRP. I can't really figure out why. Can you help me?" I find oral infections most of the time on those patients, and I get referrals for elevated myeloperoxidase elevated LPPLA2 um, from physicians. I had, I'm in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. I had one physician in Massachusetts refer me a patient from Belgium. So I had a patient fly from Belgium, spent a half a day in my office so we could do a thorough workup and that patient's being treated from a distance. So there's no question 
that yes, there's objective biomarkers and we see direct evidence that when you stabilize the dental infection, the cardiovascular biomarkers get better. Do you, how much do you think the person's diet, I mean, this is a, this is a stupid question because we know diet makes a big difference, but, uh, uh, aside every and people know that sugar is a big issue what other dietary factors do you find promotes uh, uh imbalances in the in the bio biofilm well you know this is a whole can of worms i mean we could talk for days on uh, nutrition and dietary um dietary eating styles or nutrition styles mm -hmm. but even people that go on some of these really super high protein diets where they're just eating all protein and fat, they'll have increased inflammation in the mouth. Ah. Um, the best diet for oral care is going to be a diet rich in antioxidants, um, uh, antioxidants, green leafy vegetables, a little bit of meat if it's clean, fish, uh, poultry, or if you beef or even pork, if, if, if you eat that type of food, but it should be clean, nothing more than a deck of cards. That whole Mediterranean style diet is going to be great. And we have good studies to show that dietary, um, following dietary guidelines and eating a healthy diet is going to yield less bleeding. It's going to yield uh, a better overall collagen development around the teeth, and it's going to be healthier for the patient. Now, I would just mention, and you could probably educate me more about this, but even types of fasting, whether it's whether it's caloric restriction based on a certain number of hours, we call that time-restricted feeding, or fasting mimicking, or some sort of fasting that also has profound effects on, on, uh, on resetting the, the metabolic state of the patient. If it's done under a physician's guidance and with care, uh, you can get some big benefits from, from that as well. So when we see a patient, we like to ask them about their diet, we like to do a maybe a micronutrient panel or get an idea if they're deficient in anything. And then we're just trying to educate the patient on the best eating style. And many of us, you know, it's moderation, uh, Dr. Ron. Many of, like I like pizza. Uh, I like some of that stuff. Um, but you just can't have a steady diet of some of the things that are inflammatory. Getting back to, you know, one of the basic things, uh, you know, uh, brushing your teeth regularly, uh, flossing your teeth, are these, uh, and, and the types of toothpaste that a person should use, like is charcoal toothpaste a good one to use, for instance? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know people want to take good care of their mouths, but they don't know about this, some of this new information that you're speaking of. Yeah, toothpaste is interesting because there's no, the, the, the most important thing about toothpaste in the past has been they've put chemicals in the toothpaste to either harden the teeth, which would be a fluoride type additive. Yeah. Now the new one is nanohydroxyapatite, but there's certain additives to the toothpaste to allow you to uh, help harden the teeth. Or maybe they changed the type of fluoride from sodium fluoride to stannous fluoride, which maybe has a little bit more antimicrobial property. Or maybe they take the fluoride out totally and you'll have a paste that'll have a like a biobotanical uh, product that has an antimicrobial suppressant, if you will. Um, but there's no paste right now that is a magic bullet mm. for gum disease or for a significant oral 
issue. The pastes are really simply adjunctive. And if you and if the paste works for you and it um, tastes good and you enjoy brushing with that paste, that's probably the biggest benefit. And in fact, you don't even need toothpaste to brush your teeth. Toothpaste just carries the additive to the, te to the teeth. So we do a risk assessment on every patient. And if you're high risk for dental cavities, then I want you to use a paste that has things in it that helps harden the teeth and that would help resist the cavity causing bacteria. If you are very low risk for dental cavities, I would say, Dr. Ron, go wild, get whatever you want. It doesn't matter because at that point, you're just going to enjoy brushing your teeth. What about the tongue? Uh, the, you know, there are, there are tongue scrapers, there are tongue brushes, uh, and the, there's such deep furrows in the tongue. I'm sure there's, there's a lot to be said about the microbiome there, but what kind of recommendations do you, rec do you uh, have your patients follow in terms of better, taking better care of their tongues? Yes, tongue brushing, tongue scraping, and tongue cleaning is important. And, you know, you I just learned something from you. You used a nice word. You saw, talked about furrows, and I think it helps people understand these hills and valleys that live uh, or that are part of the anatomy of the tongue. And some of those are very deep, and they're actually deep just like the pocket or the crevice between the tooth and gum where you, the, where you stick a toothpick and you try to pull out a popcorn hole. And bacteria do live down there, so scraping the tongue and disinfecting the tongue is going to be important. And one of the things I want to be careful with is using the word like disinfecting the mouth or how we clean the mouth because yeah. there's no such thing as disinfecting the mouth. Right. And I want to make sure that anybody with a healthy mouth, there's no reason for them to use any kind of medicinal rinses or any kind of mouthwashes. We only reserve the use of mouthwash for people that have what we call a dysbiosis, and we're trying to correct it. Once it's corrected, then we don't want people using uh, harsh chemicals in the mouth that alter a microbiome if it's healthy. That's the idea. So in our practice, we want to get the microbiome healthy. We can measure that, and then we want the patient to use as little as possible to keep it healthy. There's a lot more to this conversation, and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. So, so this, the dysbiosis, this is, I think, an incredibly important concept and word for people to understand that there is a whole system of different bacteria, yeasts, and viruses that are in the mouth, just like there is in the gut. The mouth, after all, is the first part of the gut. What are you recommending for people to do to really maintain a healthy biome in their mouth? Yeah, the big, the big, the biggest thing is going to be right back to where we started, and that's going to have a very effective way of cleaning in between the teeth. Ah. And what I would say, uh, Dr. Ron, is sometimes if you have some gum recession and you have some space between the teeth, as the gum recedes, the teeth get actually 
quite torturous. They're curved surfaces. There's little depressions in the roots of the teeth. And sometimes floss isn't, isn't going to be such so effective. So for those people, we might recommend little brushes, picks, different things that you can put in there to clean in between the teeth. So you have to have an effective method to clean in between the teeth. And then we need an effective method to remove the biofilm on the outside of the teeth and on the tongue side of the teeth. Both of those surfaces need to be meticulously clean. And then, of course, scrape your tongue, keep your tongue clean. And if you have any kind of either bad breath like halitosis or, or you have any kind of oral abnormality, you want to get that checked out. Uh, so we recommend at least visiting your dentist if you're perfectly healthy for sure once a year, twice a year would be more preferable. And if you're disease susceptible or you have any kind of gingivitis or gum disease or anything like that, you need to be on a more current regimen, maybe four times a year for most people. Um, three times can suffice for some as well. And we give you feedback when you come in on what the ideal frequency is. Do you agree that the Dental hygienist is an important part of the dentist team. Is that important to have the, the kind of scraping that they do on the teeth, the calculi and stuff? Yeah, that's a great question, Ron. And as a matter of fact, uh, I'll tell you how passionate I am that they should, uh, that they're important. Uh, I call, I refer to the that team, that care team in my practice, I call them periodontal therapists. Mm. Uh, they're not dental hygienists. They're doing way more than that. They actually, uh, they can identify disease. They can, um, they can. Um, they can be very significant in developing the plan to stabilize the disease. And they're the gatekeepers because they see you when you sit down. A lot of times the dentists come in after the uh, periodontal therapist or dental hygienist has already cleaned their teeth. And so the dentist doesn't often get a feel for how they presented to the office and what kind of job you know they are doing. And again, I'm so passionate about that piece. I have developed a two-day hygiene training program at an institute in Seattle called the COIS Center. And I teach uh, dental hygienists how to become periodontal therapists in that in that course. So it's a really, it's a big passion of mine. And this is something you and I did not talk about, uh, but it's a big passion of mine. And they're very, very key people in the practice. Very good. Um, what would you say currently is the number one, uh, shall we say, risk that people have with not taking care of their mouth? I mean, obviously people would say, well, cavities, right? But what, what I understand you to be saying is that this is broadened out quite a bit in terms of your general health, but what would be the number one thing that people should be thinking about in terms of uh, getting this broader type of thinking about dental health? Yeah, I, I'm going to use the term gum disease because it's a basic term. Um, probably 65% of the population has a gum disease issue at some point or another, and as we age, it can get to be worse. So the gum disease, uh, that, being sure that you don't have active gum disease is really, really important. The number one destructor of teeth is dental caries, which is what is the disease of the person that causes cavities. And so dental caries is a different group of bacteria, but they too, Ron, there's a lot of science that supports those bacteria move around the body. And in fact, if you had a heart attack or a stroke, 
and you went and and, ex, and uh, excised the blood clot that lodged in the brain or in the heart, you will find oral bacteria in that blood clot. So we know these bacteria travel through the body. And if you have disease in your mouth, you're going to have other downstream effects from having that disease. Now, two things we didn't talk about yet, or I didn't mention, that's also screening for sleep apnea. Sleep ah, apnea is another very, good, very important thing that we can see sometimes because of the anatomy of the mouth and how the mouth is used. So for sleep apnea, it come it, it basically what sets that up is our anatomy, how we're born, our jaw size, our jaw position, our tooth arrangement. And then whether we have anatomical issues like a tongue tie or we can't breathe through our nose, uh, different things happen that that disrupt our nighttime sleeping and our nighttime breathing. And if that happens, that's a seri- that has serious health effects. So we are also very aware of that issue. The th- another issue would be acid reflux. Mm. Acid reflux and the pH of the mouth, uh, the acidity of the mouth. We know that if your mouth is very acidic, that we want to balance that because that's going to be a problem for you know, actually dissolve the teeth. Uh, and it can cause a lot of other problems. So there's a host of health conditions today that we can be made aware of just from looking in the mouth and making some observations and taking a little bit of preliminary data. One of the things that was real interesting when I started working at the Reardon Clinic is I had uh, gums that bled. And uh, of course, Dr. Reardon jumped on that one and said, well, you're, you're, you're low on vitamin C, but my suspicion is is that there are probably a number of nutrients that affect gum health and dental health. Is can you give some ideas to our audience what what sort of nutrients they might want to be thinking about in terms of maintaining good uh, gum and dental health? Yeah, anything in the antioxidant family. So you're going to have vitamin C, vitamin D. Uh, you want to be you want to be uh, for sure. You want to be optimized with vitamin D. I think most of us in COVID really brought our attention exactly. to the. Food the vitamin D issue. And then the other thing would be CoQ10. So Mm. if uh, there's so many people today on statin drugs and on drugs that will um, zap certain components of your nutrient balance, um, like um, proton pump inhibitors mm-hmm. or acid reflux medications, steel magnesium and, you know, uh, statin steel CoQ10. Right. So, so it's really going to be important to, optimize some of those nutrients and we would prefer to get them from our diet but the reality is a lot of us don't have diets that are that are five full servings of vegetables a day and two fruits and you know the right protein balance so we have to augment for that somehow and uh, sometimes we supplement to it and sometimes we're just efficient so we have to um, we have to think about that and so your your lifestyle your eating style will make a big difference so do you actually measure the biome of patient's mouth is there is there is there as like a saliva test or how how is that done Yes, today there's some very easy swish and, swish and spit saliva tests. Uh, you, you can either collect raw saliva. There's several different companies out now that do this. They're all in the um, $150 to $375 range for these tests. Most insurance companies don't pay for them, right. so you have to be able to pay out of pocket for it. Um, but it's very revealing. And you can do it through the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've created a, 
uh, a, a, a website called homedentalexam.com, and you can go to homedentalexam.com or you can contact our office and we could help uh, people even through the mail where you can do a simple salivary diagnostic test in the comfort of your own home, and we can uh, determine if you have a, a, a microbiome that could be unhealthy. Now, here's the rub with that. The rub with that is we have to find somebody who understands that those metrics that can help you, and so that's my that's my goal. And um, and a third thing that I've done is created a uh, an online network of dentists that oh. understand this language, and that's the what's behind me. It's called the Wellness Dentistry Network. And um, I run that group of people, and there's over 120 offices around the world. And these are dentists that have either been part of our teachings, they've been part of our networking, and they understand the language. And um, I would hope any of those could help you. And obviously, I'm willing to help anybody I can. Well, Dr. Doug Thompson, I am so thrilled that we had you on our program because uh, uh, I... There's a famous saying, you know, that all disease begins in the gut. I think that the the updated version of that is the the gut begins in the mouth, and so maybe all disease begins in the mouth. Yeah, and you know, Ron, I don't want to overstate it. I want, I'm really a pretty humble person when it comes to that, and I can tell you that. Um, I really respect physicians like you that are trying to look at the whole person and look for root cause disease. And what my biggest contribution to be, I can be a collaborator. I'm not, I'm not suggesting I'm carrying everything or that I'm the, I'm the end all, but man, are we a big part of the health equation? Prevention. I mean, you yeah, know, I think that, if people would take better care of their mouths, they, their, their future health would be much better, uh, but they, but a lot of people wait until the problem happens, and then they go to the specialist to treat the organ that's been damaged. But if they would go back and look for the root cause, uh, which I think is going to be a lot of it's going to be in poor uh, dental health, that would that would save a lot of dollars and a lot of misery that people go through when they get into a chronic illness. Yeah, and we do have good in closing. Two pretty important things to say. Um, we we have clear research that shows that if you have a dysbiosis or oral an oral infection problem and you fix it or stabilize it, your medical costs over the next five years are significantly lower. Yes. Number one, mm -hmm. so you're right, unnecessary hospital experiences uh, and um, cost savings are going to be huge. So that's true, and 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 you know when you're when you're healthy. You want a million things, you know, you want like a bigger vacation and you want a new boat, you want all these different things. But when you're sick, you just want one thing. You just want to get better. Get better. And what I don't want to, and what I don't want to do is I want my patients to try to have a million wishes. That's what I want them to there do. You go. And so this information is is so it's unique because uh, so I really appreciate the opportunity to to expose this on your podcast. It's incredibly re relevant and all the research is showing that it's absolutely true. So when we have those things working for us, we know that we have an important role, but we're co-collaborators with you. We can't do it alone. Absolutely. So we, we need you and uh, and I appreciate you giving Dr. me Dr. Reardon's famous term is co-learners. We're co-learning yeah. about how we can all help people be better. Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for your 
for your work and for your enthusiasm uh, to, to make this better known throughout the field of dentistry and to the population at large. So thanks for being on our podcast. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.